0: Thank you.
1: If you would take your hymn book, please, and be turning to 344, 344, as we continue our worship today. Uh, You probably know the first verse by heart, but may not know the second, third, and fourth verse. We want to sing this wonderful song. A lot of people think this is a children's song, but it's actually not a children's song, necessarily. It's a Christian song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Let's stand up and sing all of 344, Jesus Loves Me. He looks under
2: me. Jesus loves be the son.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, Children's Choir. That excites me to see them up there. It's a blessing indeed. Open your Bibles this morning, please, to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. And also, if you would, go ahead and find and mark an Old Testament book as well. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Revelation chapter 13 and Daniel chapter 7 will be there in just a few moments. Before we get there, I want you to look at a quote with me from Benjamin Franklin. You know, Benjamin Franklin seems to be one of the most quoted people. In fact, I seem to recall reading years ago that if you don't know who to attribute something to, just attribute it to Benjamin Franklin. Uh, But I'm, I'm assuming this is a literal quote from Benjamin Franklin. But look at it with me and think about it for a moment. It says, There is much difference between imitating a man... And counterfeiting him. Now think about that for a moment. There is much difference between imitating a man and counterfeiting him. Do you see the difference? Do you see that there's a difference uh, in really imitating what is good in someone? And it's another thing just to pretend to do it. Just to pretend to be like that good person. Uh, it's one thing to imitate, it's another thing to counterfeit, is it not? Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not, but Satan, our enemy, our foe, our adversary, the devil, he is a master counterfeiter. He's a master counterfeiter. J. Oswald Sanders wrote a book called Satan is no myth. And he made a list of Satan's counterfeit ways. Let me run over this list real quickly with you. It's kind of a review of what we looked at last week and kind of a, a preface to what we're going to be looking at today. But think about Satan for a moment being the master counterfeiter. And Jay Oswald Sanders said Satan has his own trinity. We've been looking at that uh, revelation. Uh, we looked at it some last week and we'll look at it today. Revelation sixteen thirteen talks about that evil Trinity, the devil, the beast and the false prophet. So he has his own Trinity. He has his own church, his own church. Revelation 2, 9 talks about the synagogue of Satan. Satan has his own ministers. Didn't know if you knew that or not, but he has his own ministers. They're called ministers of Satan in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 4 and 5. And I'm just giving you the reference. You can jot these down and go back and look them up later. But I'm just summarizing what it's teaching there. He's formulated his own system of theology. His own system of theology or doctrine. 1 Timothy 4, 1 talks about the, the doctrines of demons. The doctrines of demons. You see how he's counterfeiting God? He has his own trinity, his own church, his own ministers, his own system of doctrine. Not only that, he has his own sacrificial system. It talks about in 1 Corinthians 10.20 that the Gentiles sacrifice to demons. So he has his own sacrificial system and even his own communion service. 1 Corinthians 10.21 talks about the cup of demons and the table of demons. J. Oswald Sanders said he has his own ministers who proclaim his own gospel. Uh, Galatians 1, 7 and 8 talk about a gospel that's contrary to that which has been preached unto them. Uh, what Paul and the apostles preach there. So he has his own gospel. And finally, we ha- he has his own throne and his own worshipers. And you're going to see that today in Revelation chapter 13, uh, verses 2 and 4. He is the master counterfeiter. We know that Satan uh, wants to be like God. He wants to be worshipped as God. He desires worship. He desires worship. He desires to be as the Most High. He desires to be as God. In fact, if you go back in Isaiah chapter 14 and you read about the fall of Satan. Listen to what Isaiah fourteen thirteen and 14 says. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. That's Satan. That's his goal. That's his desire. And when you look in the New Testament, when Satan came along in boldness and tempted the Lord Jesus Christ, do you remember that he tempted him and he's out there. Here's what it says in Matthew four, eight through ten. Again, the devil took him. That is Jesus up an exceedingly high mountain. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will do what? Fall down and do what? Worship me. Of course, verse 10 says, Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Now, Satan... Desires to be like the Most High. He desires to be as God. He desires worship and glory and honor. And he's been at this for a long time. And he's not about to quit. In fact, if you were with us last week, we studied Revelation 12. We looked at Satan. We looked at the fact that he is real. He's a real being, a created being, an angelic being who fell from uh, his place. We know that he's relentless in his attacks. He's been at it for a long time, and he's not giving up anytime soon. But we said that he is ruined. That is, he's a defeated foe. Uh, His days are numbered. His days are short. And he will not go on forever. But he won't quit. He won't quit until he has to. And this morning, in Revelation 13, we're going to see some more of what he's going to be up to uh, in the future. Now, you have Revelation 13. And I've asked you to also, if you would, find Daniel chapter 7. Now, beloved, we called this second part of our Revelation series Fast Forward. Fast Forward. And we're covering right now chapters 4 through the end of the book, chapter 22. And all that covers prophecy. Do you remember the outline of the book? I gave it to you in the very first message, way back, a long time ago. Revelation 1:19 outlines the book for us. Write the things which you have seen. That's chapter 1, the vision of the glorified Jesus Christ. Then we study the second part, the things which are. That is the seven churches. That's Revelation chapters 2 and chapters 3. And then we come into the third part of that verse, what we're studying right now, and the things which will take place after this. That's prophecy. That's chapters 4 through 22. And we're calling the series Fast Forward because we're given the privilege to literally look into the future. To fast forward through time and look at what God reveals to us. Just as you might push the fast forward button on your DVD player at home. Now, right now, in Revelation 13, we're going to be given a glimpse of the future world political leader and the future world religious leader. But right now in our country, what are we thinking about? We're thinking about, we're thinking about uh, in America right now, who's going to sit at this desk? We're thinking about who is going to fill this office. We're thinking about who's going to be the next president. And even though it's a ways down the road, the candidates are already coming out and they're saying, I'm I'm throwing my hat in the ring and I'm running. And we're beginning to talk about that and think about that and and ponder about that and hopefully pray about that and maybe worry about that. Hopefully not. Uh, But we're thinking about this right now. But I find it interesting here in Revelation, as we're talking about the future, we're not told anything about that office. We're not told anything about that position. We're not told anything really about who the next president's going to be. What we have here is a glimpse of the future world leaders. The world political leader and the world religious leader. And I'm just going to go ahead and answer the question that may be upon your mind this morning. No, I'm not going to hazard a guess. I'm not going to make a suggestion about who the Antichrist is. Now, many have been suggested through the years and many of those who were suggested that, oh, this must be the Antichrist. They're dead now. But if truth be known, maybe they would have been the Antichrist. Have you ever thought about the fact that Satan does not know when Jesus Christ is coming again? He does not know when the rapture is going to take place. He does not know when the tribulation is going to take place. And so I imagine if Satan's going to have his Antichrist ready to go, he has to always have somebody ready to step in that role, doesn't he? And so perhaps some of those ones that you think about that maybe they were the Antichrist, maybe they would have been, but they weren't. Many of them, obviously, because they're dead. Uh, But somebody has to be ready to go in this role. And I believe... That the Antichrist could be alive this very moment probably is. Now we know that there are many who are Antichrist. But there is coming one who will be the Antichrist. 1 John 2.18 talks about it. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. By which we know that it is the last hour. So we know there are many who are Antichrist and many who have been Antichrist, but there is coming one who is the Antichrist. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. So let's just stop and look at the passage. Then we'll talk about these rulers in more detail. You have found Revelation by now. Let's read together Revelation 13, 1 through 18. You follow along as I read it, then we'll come back and talk about the future world political leader and the future world religious leader. Or we could say it this way, the next two members. And the unholy Trinity. Revelation chapter thirteen, verse one. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. None of us have seen anything like this, have we? Unless you eat a lot of pizza and soda before bed, I mean, uh, you have a dream. But imagine this: what he's seeing here. Verse two, now the beast, which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. So it's getting even stranger, isn't it? The dragon gave him his power, his throne and his great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And it deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, everybody there, to receive a mark on their right hand. Or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell. Except one who has the mark or the name of the beast. Or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. His number is six, six, six. You remember beloved. We talked about last week the fact that there is a Holy Trinity. We often maybe can draw it like that to help us understand it that God is three in one. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Three distinct. You, the Father is not the Son, the Son's not the Spirit, the Spirit's not the Father, but they're three in one. And there you have a picture of perfection and beauty and holiness. The perfect Trinity, the Holy Trinity. But I mentioned to you last week, and we see it again today, that there is an unholy trinity. There is the Satan and Antichrist and false prophet making up this unholy trinity. You see where they fall in relationship to the Holy Trinity. You have Satan in the position of the Father. You have the Antichrist in the position of the Son. And the false prophet in the position of the Holy Spirit. And you have in the unholy trinity a picture of evil, wickedness, and destruction. And Satan is the great counterfeiter. Can you not see it in that? That he comes up with his own trinity? And I think all of that will become much clearer as we go into these verses today. There's a lot here. But I'm going to just try to give you the big picture. And I'm going to cover a lot of material in a short time. So can you all listen fast? Can you listen fast? Last time we looked at the first member of the unholy trinity, Satan. We talked about the fact that he's real, he's relentless in his attack, but he's ruined, he's doomed, his days are numbered. Now we're going to look at the next two members of the unholy trinity, the Antichrist and the false prophet. So let's consider, first of all, the beast of the sea, that is the Antichrist, the future world Political leader, we find him there in verses one through eight in our passage, and he's pictured as a beast rising up from the sea. Now we know him better as the Antichrist. He's called by many different names in Scripture. If you go back to Second Thessalonians chapter two, he's called the man of sin. He's called the son of perdition. He's called the lawless one. But it's pretty pretty uh, obvious that the Antichrist is a man, he's a being, he's a man coming up, but with him comes a kingdom. Okay? He's a man, but he's also a kingdom, represents a kingdom. Now, here in Revelation 13, he's called a beast. This is the way that God sees him, a beast. And he's a beast that has seven heads and ten horns, and on the horns are ten crowns. I know that's hard to get your arms wrapped around and kind of hard to picture, but the seven heads there more than likely represent the seven world empires that have come throughout history. You have Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and then the Antichrist's final world kingdom. And it says about this beast, with these heads and these horns and these crowns that he has um, feet like a leopard. Uh, 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 no, excuse me, he's like a leopard. He has feet like a bear and a mouth like a lion. So it's already strange enough looking at a beast with seven heads and ten horns and ten crowns. Now he looks like a leopard with feet like a bear and mouth like a lion. And that takes us back to what we see in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. So you can put your finger in Revelation and turn back to Daniel chapter 7 a moment. Now, in Daniel chapter 7, the lion represented the kingdom of Babylon. And the bear represented the next kingdom, Medo-Persia. And the leopard represented the next kingdom, Greece. And then the fourth uh, beast that spoke about there is the Roman Empire. But we also find that when you find that fourth uh, world empire there in Daniel, he's speaking of the revived Roman Empire. That is the coming Kingdom of the Antichrist. Are you in Daniel chapter 7? Look at verses 7 and 8. This is Daniel speaking his prophecy. Daniel 7, 7 and 8. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had what? Ten horns. I was considering the horns. Do you see some similarities now here? Yeah, he's describing the same thing. I was considering the horns and there was another horn, a little one coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. Drop down to verse 23 in Daniel 7. Daniel 7 verse 23. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth. Which shall be different from all other kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth, trample it and break it in pieces. The ten horns are what? Ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. Now watch what he says in verse 25, and think about what we just read in Revelation. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times in law. Then the saints shall be given into the hand for a time and times and half a time, or, say of another way, 42 months, or, say of another way, three and a half years. So what we have there, way back in Daniel, is a picture of what we're reading about in our Revelation. We have the antichrist who is a man but has a kingdom and has other kings there. But he's not just a man, he's Satan's superman. He's energized by Satan. If you go back now to Revelation 13, don't close up Daniel 7. With it, we'll come back. But but go back to Revelation. If you notice in verse 2, it says the dragon. Now, who's the dragon? It's not puff the magic dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan, we read about him last week in Revelation 12. It says specifically that dragon, that serpent, that old devil, Satan. Satan is the one who gives the Antichrist his power, his throne, and his great authority. Can you not see all this playing out, beloved? The world is in a mess. And here comes a phenomenal leader like the world has never seen before. Full of charisma, eloquence, charm, you name it, wisdom. And the world just goes gaga over this fella who is the Antichrist, who is Satan's superman. And we find that the Bible teaches that he makes a peace treaty with Israel. But at the midway point of that peace treaty, he breaks it. And that's why we have a difference in the tribulation time and the great tribulation time. He begins to show his true colors. Daniel 9, 27. Listen, then he, talking at the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. That is a week of years, seven years. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. So he's going to turn against the Jews. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. And so as I gave you that chart early on, and you notice there that the tribulation period is divided by three and a half years and three and a half years. As we understand from Daniel 9, 27, he'll he'll form a covenant, a peace treaty with them in Israel. So things will go well, but in the middle of it, he'll break it and his true colors will be revealed. We find that he's going to be persecuting and blaspheming and all these things. And to make matters interesting here, did you notice? We talked about the great counterfeiter. You're back in Revelation 13, right? Satan works to create a resurrection like experience and a resurrection like event. Look back at Revelation 13 3. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. And his deadly wound was what? Healed. So he's, he's killed, or apparently abused, it seems that he's killed. Ever how Satan works all that out in deception, that he, he's dead, but then he comes back to life. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? you understand, beloved, as they worship the beast, who they're actually worshiping? They're worshiping the dragon. They're worshiping the Satan. The one who gives the beast his authority and his power and his kingdom and his throne. And blasphemy is a real theme in this passage. Did you notice that? We have seven heads on this beast who have a blasphemous name according to verse 1. It says in verses 5 and 6, And he was giving a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months, as we just read about over in Daniel. Then he opened his mouth. Look at verse 6 of Revelation 13. He opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name, to blaspheme his tabernacle, to blaspheme those who dwell in heaven. He blasphemes God, the name of God, the worshipers of God, the children of God. He's blaspheming even us as we're in heaven. In fact, if you're doing the heaven study with us, I found it so interesting. In the very first day, in the very first day of homework, it talked about this particular verse in Revelation and said in there that um, uh, Satan slanders God's person, God's people and God's place, heaven. But we find it doesn't stop at just blasphemy. It's not enough just to blaspheme. He persecutes and kills the people of God. If you look at verses 7 through 10. He was granted with him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. He was given authority over every tribe and tongue and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him. That is except those who have been written in the book of life of the Lamb. Those who know Christ. And so we know that he's going to kill them. He's going to persecute them. And so you have this unholy trinity. And it starts out, well, man, this guy is our savior, if you will. But it turns out. Otherwise, halfway through tribulation period. And so you have two members of the uh, unholy trinity, right? We have so far two members. We have Satan, who's the mastermind, the one giving power and authority. You have his superman, the Antichrist, standing in the place of the son. But there's a third one I want to look at with you real quickly. And that is the false prophet, the beast of the land. That is the false prophet, the future world. Notice this religious leader. Now, he's called a beast here in verse 11. So you say, well, preacher, why do you call him the false prophet? Well, because of what he does, but also because Revelation calls him the false prophet. Revelation sixteen thirteen, Revelation 19, 20, Revelation 20, verse 10. They all call him the false prophet. And he is a prophet. He is the future religious world, world religious leader. And just as the Holy Spirit points people to Jesus, the false prophet points people to the Antichrist. Now think about that for a moment. Just as the Holy Spirit points people to Jesus, the false prophet points people to the Antichrist. Look at verses 12 through 14 in Revelation. And he exercises all authority of the first beast in his presence. And causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, the Antichrist, whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven. Don't you remember? There's two witnesses that God has in Revelation, right? They make fire come down from it. I told you, isn't Satan the master counterfeiter? He makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now look at verse 14. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He said, listen, this beast is so wonderful. He was mortally wounded, came back to life. Let's create an image of this beast and let's worship it. And so we find he sets up an image for the people to worship. And somehow, through deception and working, the false prophet gives breath to this image. And He makes it function. And He makes it talk. And He makes it do all kinds of things. Look at verse 15. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak. You know, they get crazy right now if they see uh, the Virgin Mary on a piece of toast. Or they see a statue crying. I'm talking about in our world today. Imagine this image that talks and functions. But notice what it says in verse 15. It causes him to speak and causes many who would not worship the image of the beast to be what? To be killed. Worship or die. Well, that sounds a lot like some things we have read about the Bible so far, doesn't it? Worship the image or die. And of course, who's behind all this? The dragon. Satan. And when the people worship the Antichrist, when they worship the image, they're ultimately worshiping the mastermind, the one behind all this, that old dragon, that old serpent, Satan. And not only does he cause the people to worship, he also makes the people to get a mark in order to be able to function in the economy. Do you see all this is tied together? You have the political world leader, you have the religious world leader. And now in all of that, there's commerce. Commerce and worship are tied together. In fact, in verse 16, it says he calls us all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. Now, don't you remember that God also marked his 144,000 on their foreheads? Remember? Verse 17. Why do you need this mark? And that no one may buy or sell Except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man. His number is six, six, six. So just as God marked those who are his Satan, the devil, the dragon, he marks those who belong to him. And if you don't get this mark, now let me just say for a moment, if you're saved, you don't have to worry about any of this. I just want to throw that out there, that you won't be here. So let me just encourage you, because some of you are looking kind of worried right now. All right? If you're saved, if you're born again, you don't have to worry about this. You're going to go home to heaven. You won't be here. If you're not saved, you may or may not have to worry about this, because you may not make it this far. You might not make it this far. You may have already been killed in all that we've seen so far. But if you do make it this far, you're reading about your future if you don't know Jesus. But in that day, those who do not belong to God, those who have not been taken home to heaven, and those who have uh, not trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and been martyred up to this point, those who worship the beast are given this mark, and if you don't have the mark, you can't buy or sell. How easy will it be to do away with God's people? If you refuse the mark, you won't get the mark, you can't buy, you can't sell, can't do any of this. And of course, the mark of the beast is what? Six, six, six. Now, those three numbers, that combination has led to a lot of speculation, a lot of guessing, a lot of wonder. It's led to a lot of stuff. But I like what John Hagee said. Now, listen carefully what he said. This information, because this is how you identify the the beast. This information about how to identify the Antichrist, listen, is of no practical value to the church. Since we will be watching from the balconies of heaven by the time he is revealed. Listen. Listen. He says, this cryptic puzzle is not intended to point a finger at some unknown person. It is, however, intended to confirm to the world someone already suspected as being the Antichrist. And in the idolatry of the end time, the number of man is fully developed and the result is 666. Now, what's he saying? What am I saying? Don't worry about that. I think he's right. There's no practical value. I'm going to heaven. I'm going up the rapture. I'm going to die and go to heaven or I'm going to be raptured and go to heaven. One way or another. I'm not going to be around. But in that day, ever how they do the figuring, those that are wise can identify who the Antichrist is by that number 666. And so people get superstitious, right? You know, don't give me $6, 6 $6, it not change. And, and I told you, I saw the lights plate with 666 is as the Antichrist in front of me. And uh, uh, all this kind of stuff. We're not being superstitious about it. If you don't like the number, it's fine. I wouldn't put that on my jersey, no. I don't rejoice in that number. But listen, I'm not real worried about it. it Does that apply to me? It's a way to identify the Antichrist. So we're not going to spend a lot of time debating that and saying, well, here's who it is and there's who it is and so forth and so on. It's a way that God gives them in here to identify who the Antichrist is. So we have, beloved, the beast of the sea. He's the Antichrist. Well, first of all, you have the dragon, Satan. Then you have the beast of the sea, the Antichrist, the future world political leader then you have the beast of the land, the false prophet, the future world religious leader. But I want to mention just one more. Just one more. you Give me a few more minutes. Just one more. Because so I don't want to end on that note. I want to mention one more. And that's this. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. The Lord Jesus Christ. The forever King of Kings. I want to mention him last this morning. You're in Revelation 13. Would you turn to Revelation 19? We've looked at the unholy trinity. Now, let's look at what happens. Revelation 19, verses 19 and 20. Revelation 19, 19 and 20. Revelation 19, 19 and 20. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Now, notice verse 20. Then the beast was captured And with him, the false prophet. So there's the Antichrist, the future world political leader, the beast. There's the false prophet, the future world religious leader. Then they were captured. The false prophet who worked signs in his presence. By which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Now notice the next part. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. What am I saying? You just read the end of those two members of the unholy trinity, the lake of fire. Now, don't close up yet. Turn a page if you need to. Revelation 20, verse 10. In this verse, we have the unholy trinity mentioned all in one verse. Revelation 20, verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast at the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast... And the false prophet are. And they, in case you're wondering how long, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So you have the unholy trinity, you have Satan, you have the Antichrist, you have the false prophet, but the Bible is very clear. Their days are numbered. They're going to be cast in the lake of fire forever and ever. Now, one more passage and we're done. Turn back to Daniel 7. Hope you still got it. Daniel 7. And I want to close with this. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. Daniel writes in Daniel 7, verse 9. I watched till thrones were put in place. Talk about world kingdoms, you know. Look at the world kingdoms. Babylon and Medo-Persia came and Greece and Rome and revived Roman Empire. I watched till thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued, and it came from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousands time, ten thousands stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were open. Verse 11. I watched them because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain. And his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching in the night visions and behold, listen, verse 13, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. That all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. What I want you to understand, beloved, is that we've seen world kingdoms come and go. And there is a final world kingdom going to be set up by the Antichrist. It too will be destroyed, but there is coming a forever kingdom, the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, a forever kingdom which shall never be destroyed, the kingdom of our Lord. And I say today, even so come Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Father, thank you. For the truth of your word and father, thank you that though we have to read and we look at those enemies, Satan and the beast and the false prophet, we know that their days are numbered and your kingdom is coming. And father, we pray, we pray, send your son, even so come Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we read a lot about what we won't have to face if we know Jesus Christ. But if anybody here doesn't know him, I pray this will be the hour they turn from their sin and place their faith. In Christ alone We love you and praise you in Jesus name I pray Amen I want to close this morning hand number The altar is open We'd love to help you if you have a need upon your heart Need to be saved today But I want to close by singing about his kingdom Oh hell the power of Jesus name Let angels prostrate fall Bring forth the royal diadem And crown him Lord of all All these kingdoms have come and gone <laughs> And that final Antichrist kingdom is going to come and go too. But there's coming a forever kingdom, the kingdom of our Lord. Even so come, Lord Jesus. 202, stand up and sing in victory today. Oh, hail the power, Jesus' name, 202.